DNA polymerase is the little guy that's kind of driving along the DNA that's replicating it or copying it so that the cell can split into two. And it hits that road bump and it might copy it wrong because now it's run into something that's messed up with the original DNA strand in it. Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Hello, friend. I'm Molly Jacobson. Today on Dog Cancer Answers, we're talking about the very beginning of how cancer starts with genetic mutations. Understanding what genetic mutations are is useful because we can find strategies to prevent and treat cancer when we know them. In fact, there is a lot of cancer research being done right now to identify specific mutations that cause specific cancers and then develop treatments to target them. To explain this kind of complicated subject, we're joined by returning guest, Dr. Charlotte Hacker. Dr. Hacker is a geneticist by trade and very good at explaining how genetics plays a role in dog cancer. So Dr. Charlotte Hacker, thank you so much for joining us again to talk about your specialty. Of course. Genetics. Yes, my favorite. <laughs> Literally your favorite. Literally my favorite. I spent a long time studying it, so I'm, I'm pretty invested. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're having you on. And that is why we asked you to write some articles for dogcancer.com. Mm -hmm on this subject. It's a little wonky for the average dog lover, of course. The big question that we have that we're hoping we can get sort of answered in this show. I know there's a million details to follow, but why do dogs get cancer? Oh, gosh. <laughs> the can of worms, I guess. Uh -huh. <laughs> Genetics is, is really kind of the foundation. You know, these genes that make up your dog's genome. Pretty complex and yet beautifully simple at the same time, which is one of the reasons why I enjoyed studying genetics so much. But dogs in particular have a very kind of a few unique differences in terms of their risk with cancer and genetics because we as humans have artificially, you know, chosen certain physical traits and, and have bred them and kind of very quickly changed them. You know, genetically, all dogs, regardless of breed, are almost identical, which is crazy to think of, wow. right? A Great Dane. And my dog, who's, you know, 10 pounds, they have almost the same exact kind of genetic makeup. Okay. You know, your domestic kind of family dog wasn't genetically separated from wolves until, you know, relatively recently, which is kind of crazy to think about. They're still kind of considered more of us, I guess, a subspecies, if you want to think of it like that. And so, you know, we've really manipulated the genetics in dogs, which also means that we've kind of manipulated their cancer risk and what kind of cancers that they get. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Another example of humans trying to do something good and ending up maybe doing something with unintended consequences. Yeah. And it, you know, it varies by the breed and it's not always predictable, right? Genetics is, like I said kind of earlier, it's super complicated and some things we just, we still don't understand well enough to even to even know, I guess, what, what the outcomes may be from the way that we've bred dogs or the breeds that we, you know, use for specific jobs that are really beneficial to humans and things like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the bottom line is dogs get cancer for lots of reasons, mm -hmm. but they all end up coming down to how they influence, it seems, the genetics in the dog. Yeah. So we can start, we'll kind of start, I guess, at the building blocks so your dog is composed of trillions and trillions of cells, as are we. And in each of these cells is DNA. 
And DNA, you can think of as an instruction manual or a blueprint for a house. DNA is the reason your dog looks the way it looks, acts the way it acts, and also why it has the cancer risk that it has. Okay. And DNA, going back to genetics being beautifully simple in some ways, is made up of four building blocks. We call them nucleotides. They're denoted by the letters A, C, T, and G, and they have fancier names, but we'll just stick stick to the letters Let's for stick now. stick with the letters, yeah. <laughs> and those letters... I think it's probably easiest to, in this example, think of them as going linear, kind of in an alphabetical, like how the alphabet is linear. But these four letters are composed into various combinations and and repeats. So you might have like A, A, T, G, C, T, G. And stretches of those letters make up genes. And those genes code for proteins that do jobs in the cell. So not don't think of proteins like what you eat, but think of proteins as kind of like, I like to think of them as kind of like these little worker bees that kind of go around the cell and they're signaling that the cell needs to do this or needs to do that. And so the DNA is really kind of like the starting point that dictates everything that happens in the body because it ultimately makes these proteins that are doing all of the jobs in the cell necessary for the body to function. And the kind of intermediate part of that is that DNA operates in threes. So it's called a codon. So within each gene, and dogs have about 19,000 genes. Oh my gosh. We have between 20 and 25,000. And these genes code, you know, for everything. And, And some genes only code for one particular thing. Other more complicated things like height, for example, you have many genes that work together that determine how tall you are or how big your dog is. Okay. But these genes in general, we all know what they do. We've been able to sequence the entire genome of a lot of animals. So all of the genetic information that is in that entire huge blueprint, you know, we know that for dogs. Okay. The blueprint is actually a boxer. That was the first dog that we did that on. Oh, We, I didn't do it, but the the geneticist did that on. And some DNA we have, you know, codes for genes. We have no idea what it does. We call it junk DNA. And so it's still a bit of a a mystery. But for the most part, you know, you've got DNA that makes up these genes. And DNA works in threes to make what we call codons. So you might have A, T, and C that collectively functions as what we call a codon. And that codon makes a particular amino acid. That amino acid, there's 20 different ones. My goodness. Then kind of comes along to make the protein. So there is a bit of like an intermediate. So what the DNA codes for in terms of the amino acid is important because that amino acid is eventually going to work with other amino acids in that gene to make the protein. Okay. So genetics can be a little bit tricky because that sequence, that DNA sequence, it can change. And if it changes, then you potentially could have a different protein that's made or that protein is not made at all or that protein works a little too well. And that's when you start to get things that go a little bit potentially funky in terms of the function that that protein should be doing, which can have large-scale ramifications like cancer depending on what gene that particular change happens in. So to expand on the blueprint idea, Mm -hmm. if I'm looking at a blueprint of a house, then I might see part of the blueprint 
we'll just look at the actual timber frame, the framing, the the structure. Mm-hmm. Other parts of the blueprint will show the electrical. Mm-hmm. Other parts will show the plumbing. Other parts might show like an air conditioning system that is in the wall. So you see all of these different systems. And if there's a problem in the blueprint, like say the builder for the house looks at the blueprint and there's a a certain pipe that has to go through a certain area and it needs to have a junction that goes in another place. Mm -hmm. If they don't fit that exactly right, and there's a little bit of a leak mm-hmm. left there, or there's a little bit of a weakness in the fitting for that pipe so that water could escape eventually. It holds tight to begin with, but maybe it's just a little bit of a hair's breadth off. Mm-hmm. And eventually that works out. Now you've got a possible leak. Then you do have a leak over time. And that leak will not just affect the pipe. It'll affect the insulation that's nearby, possibly the electrical system. Mm-hmm. It'll get into the wood in the structure. It might attract mold. There's all sorts of things that can cascade from that little bit of a mutation Mm -hmm. (laughs) in that fitting, right? Like you've got the perfect blueprint, but the blueprint was just a little bit, like there's a little mistake that the architect Mm -hmm. made when they, they said, do this here. And it wasn't quite the right choice or not the perfect choice, the ideal choice, there's cascades that might not show up for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. How am I doing? I think the idea of there being like downstream effects, Uh that's really, really, that's a great example for that. The blueprint, I guess you could think of it in two different ways because the architect could have like kind of screwed something up to begin with, or maybe somebody erased something that they didn't mean to or yeah like there's so many other things that can go wrong in that process for that pipe to not fit right but you're right somebody spills like a little drop of water exactly blueprint (laughs) and then it looks like the architect did this but they can't see that it's actually water damage on the blueprint yeah okay yeah so this is really interesting so lots of things can happen to that blueprint the blueprint can be wrong from the beginning or it can be good Mm -hmm. but then something can change it Let's take a short break, and then when we get back, I want to talk about the types of mutations that can occur. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpuff. The green, grassy, beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it, Everpuff, traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpup. It just makes me feel good. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. 
That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damian Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. And we're back with Dr. Charlotte Hacker talking about how genetic mutations cause dog cancer. So mutations that happen to DNA are? They can either be hereditary or they can be spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And um, mutations are just changes in the DNA sequence that happen. And it's something that, you know, it's a pretty normal process. So you might have a DNA sequence that is, you know, A, T, G, G, C, and there might be a mutation where part of that gets deleted, something comes in and gets added, Maybe something, you know, one little nucleotide or like an egg gets switched out for a T. And where that happens is important because which gene it affects is important in terms of those downstream effects. So where in the blueprint of the house you make this mistake can have bigger consequences than other parts of the house, right? If it's hereditary, that means that it happens 
in a germline cell or in a sex cell. So you can have a mutation that happens in the DNA of an egg from your mom or sperm from your dad. So you actually have two copies of DNA. So you have a copy from your mom and a copy from your dad. And so you have these two sets of DNA that kind of work together to make you who you are. And Hmm. when those two sets are put together, there can at times be mutations that are passed on because they were in a sperm cell or because they were in the egg that then you get. That's hereditary. Spontaneous are the ones that just happen during life (laughs) in every other Hmm. cell in your body. So somatic cells are basically everything else that your body's made of that isn't sperm or an egg, depending on your sex. Okay. And those mutations, there's several different kinds and they happen for a lot of different reasons. So spontaneous mutations are just, they happen during life. They're somewhat inevitable. There are certain things that are more likely to cause them than others. But typically, you know, you might have, so for example, one of the big ones that happens is like UV light. We talk about UV light all the time. And I'm sure you in Hawaii think about it pretty often, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a concern. That UV light is actually beating down on the DNA in your cells. And it causes what's called thymine-thymine dimers, which are just two of those T's that get stuck together. Huh. And your cells are constantly growing and dividing and dying, right? They have their own process for that. It's extremely important. And that DNA during that process needs to replicate, right? Because you're going to go from one cell to two daughter cells during that process. And that DNA needs to replicate so it can split into two daughter cells. And that thymine-thymine dimer kind of becomes a road bump. So the DNA is like driving along. DNA polymerase is the little guy that's kind of driving along the DNA that's replicating it or copying it so that the cell can split into two. Okay. And it hits that road bump and it might copy it wrong (laughs) because now it's run into something that's messed up with the original DNA strand in it. Now the daughter cells have that mutation, right? So the DNA doesn't get replicated correctly. That's a big source of mutations. And replicating happens constantly. It's constant. And every once in a while, your body's going to screw it up. And it's relatively, you know, normal. You have trillions of cells. They're constantly going through this cell cycle. When that DNA gets replicated, it doesn't do it right. You can get a mutation, You can also get a mutation from different outside factors. So you can have toxins that come along and break the DNA. Mm. DNA is a a strand, more or less. It can literally break it. That can cause issues when the cell goes to divide. And you can have mutations that are, you know, like I said, hereditary, and they just kind of exist. and, And that may be problematic. It may not. Mutations are not always bad, but I think we often think of them as bad. Yeah, because we call mutations, and in popular culture, a mutant yeah. is, you know, in the, <laughs> is something that is outside the normal and not necessarily good. Although, depending on which universe, which comic book you're reading, That's it's, true. Could, they could be the <laughs> yeah. heroes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mutations can sometimes be beneficial, or they may not have any effect at all. And so there are mutations, for example, where The same protein ends up getting made even though the DNA sequence becomes different, so it doesn't really matter. And there are mutations where a different protein gets made, but it works way better at the job that it was meant to do. Or you may have a mutation that completely alters what that protein does, or the protein doesn't work as well, or it works too well, Mm -hmm. and then that can cause issues as well. One of the big things that I think is the easiest example is, is a lot of traits for sexual selection. So birds, for example, or elephants and their tusks, eventually, right, there was a bird that had a mutation that made its feathers bigger 
or its feathers more blue, if you want to think of a peacock. And females found that more attractive. So that ended up benefiting that male, right? Because it was able, when you're an animal in the wild, you just want to reproduce, right? So it helps you to pass on your genetics, which is kind of your drive as an animal. And so it may have been a mutation. And and now that mutation becomes more prevalent in a population. The peacocks and subsequent generations in that population become more blue. And, you know, there, there are all sorts of examples. And sometimes that can swing the opposite way. And you know, go back to a status quo. It all just kind of depends on this idea of natural selection and what what aids you in passing on your genetics as an animal. Okay. So we don't have to worry that, oh, my dog is a mutation, therefore my dog is going to get cancer. Not necessarily. Okay. It all kind of depends on what gene it's in as well. Okay. Yeah. So that brings us to, I think, oncogenes. Yes. <laughs> which onco means cancer. It does. <laughs> it's not a good so word. So cancer genes. Let's talk about cancer genes. That sounds scary. Sure. Um, <laughs> a little bit. So we were talking about the cell cycle a little bit earlier. And all cancer is, is unregulated cell growth. So cells are constantly growing and dividing. Super important process. And because it's so important, cells are actually really good at it. They make sure they do it right. You can almost think of cells as like, like nervous Nellies before they divide. They're constantly checking in and then, you know, asking, am I good? Should I do this? Am I healthy enough? Do I have the right genetic material? And there are genes that code for proteins that are responsible for those checkpoints. And so every protein has a job and some of those proteins act as like little signals. And the cell says, okay, I am good to go. Or the cell might say, "Mm, not so much. Maybe I shouldn't divide. I've got this funky thing going on in my DNA and I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to go ahead and go into apoptosis or cell death. Very normal thing that cells will do. And so there are these checkpoints throughout the cell cycle. Different genes are responsible for that cell cycle to occur. And often those particular genes are what we consider proto-oncogenes. So they're genes that have the capability, if they are mutated, to result in cancer. If they are mutated or become mutated, then they become oncogenes. So sometimes you see those two things used interchangeably, but there is a slight difference. Proto meaning before. Yes. Yep. Before oncogenes. So these are genes that all of us have that are involved in replication of the cell. Yes. Okay. Yep. So having a proto-oncogene does not mean that you're going to get cancer. It means that you are a normal person who has cells that... (laughs) live and can, will divide yes. and grow. And your dog has a lot. Like we all have proto-oncogenes. We do. Yes. We need them. Okay. Yeah. It's a good thing. We that need you proto-oncogenes. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're compatible with life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if one of those genes happens to get a mutation and do- stops working correctly, then the replication process is interfered with and possibly accelerated or doesn't stop Right. Where the cell lives forever. Yeah. And that's when they have turned into oncogenes, which is cancer genes. Right. So, and just because it is mutated and becomes an oncogene doesn't necessarily mean it will result in unregulated cell growth. Okay. You know, more than one mutation can happen in one gene. And so some genes need to have like a whole suite of mutations happen before it gets to the point where they like step on the gas and now the cell can't regulate itself. And then you also have tumor suppressor genes which kind of on the opposite side of that are telling the cell cycle to kind of slow down and checking in and saying, you know, do you need to divide? Is this really necessary? Mm. And it'll kind of halt that replication. Mm -hmm. And so that's also at play too, can also be mutated. And then if that's the case, 
those tumor suppressor genes may not work at all. And then you've got nothing stopping the cell cycle or, you know, telling it to go through that, you know, ask itself that question, am I okay to divide? And then you have a similar outcome in that the cell still divides even though it shouldn't. So you kind of have these two sides of the spectrum that can result in cancer. So the cell has its own checklist it goes through to make sure that it's safe to divide. Mm -hmm. And then there's tumor suppressor genes that also say, are you okay to divide? And so there's like two... That's really, I love the idea of cells being nervous Nellies. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because if if they're not, the ramifications are huge, right? Cells want to live, you know, until they can. They don't want to die. Yeah. so They They don't want to become cancer. It does not behoove them, yeah, to go haywire. And and that's kind of where dogs become a little bit of an an issue or make it a little bit more difficult with cancers because typically every cell has the same likelihood or chance of becoming a cancer cell and being unregulated going haywire. So you would think that the larger the animal, the more likely it is to get cancer. But species like elephants and blue whales almost never get cancer. Really? Almost never. And we're finding that that's because they make a ton of a tumor suppressor gene called P53, and they are just constantly pumping it out. And so they constantly have this protein that's like, hey, like, don't do that, don't divide, or, you know, you should die. And it's constantly, like, making that at a higher level to keep up with the number of cells that that animal actually has. And that's something that nature has built in to the system through time, through natural selection. Dogs didn't have that opportunity because we took them and we bred them very quickly. And so that's why bigger dogs are more likely to get cancer than smaller dogs. It's a concept called pedo's paradox. And that's kind of where genetics and dogs and cancer gets, you know, those little nuances are like, oh, this becomes a little more complicated, right? Because we have messed, maybe not messed, we've altered the genetics of dogs to an extent where those kind of tied and true principles that we've learned about don't necessarily hold true. Well, that is really fascinating. My mind is now just spinning around (laughs) thinking about everything you just said. Um, How can we prevent mutations from happening in our dogs? It's a really good question. Spontaneous mutations that happen because of the environment you can help to prevent. So again, things like UV light, dogs are affected by UV light as well, especially if their noses are pink. That's kind of, Mm. you should put sunscreen on them. If they have pink noses, they'll probably lick it off, but that's something you can consider. (laughs) Different toxins in the environment can attach to DNA and mess up the replication process, and that can result in a mutation. But for the most part, you know, there are mutations that we're learning about that are prevalent in certain breeds. And in some cases, you can figure out if your dog, you can get them tested to see if they have that mutation. And they may already have it. There's nothing you can do to prevent it, but you can at least have the knowledge and then plan the veterinary care for your dog with that knowledge and have more regular checkups. Um, Like German shepherds typically have a mutation in a gene called BHD that commonly will lead to kidney cancer. And you can get that tested. But you can't get your dog's like whole genome tested at this point to figure out everything. That's just not quite, we don't quite have that technology yet for dogs. Okay. So in terms of anything that they've inherited, that's just what they have. They have that. Mm-hmm. And then otherwise we can do sort of the environmental stuff that we know about, the a good <sighs> diet mm-hmm. and try to minimize toxin exposure, just like we would for ourselves. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Dr. Charlotte Hacker, thank you. This has been so enlightening as always. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me again. 
And thank you, friend, for listening. Genetic mutations are common, but your dog's cells are very well equipped to catch most of these errors before they can cause cancer. And that is what happens millions and millions of times every day for their entire life until it doesn't. We can help protect our dogs by limiting exposure to UV rays and toxins that can damage DNA, providing a healthy diet, using genetic testing and family health information to make responsible breeding decisions. You should visit our website at dogcancer.com, links in the show notes, to see Charlotte's articles on genetic mutations and many other topics, plus so many more resources to help you support your dog's health and well-being. And if you're feeling overwhelmed by all of this, as I am, take a deep breath and join our support group. You can find that at dogcancersupport.com or by searching for Dog Cancer Support on Facebook. There are so many other dog lovers out there going through the same challenges you are. We're all in this together and we can all help each other and to honor our dogs. I'm Molly Jacobson. And from all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'd like to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcancer.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network.